With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I told you all we were going to make it to the end of the week, and we are just about here. It's Friday, or as I love to call it, (coughs) Friday. And if you're in the tri-state area of Cincinnati, it's beautiful outside, a good day to Take a walk, take a hike, go for a swim, anything that you enjoy. I would say go to a Reds game, but uh, they're on the road in St. Louis, so if they were here, could do that. They got Elie De La Cruz now. They're doing really good. So uh, it's a good time to be in Cincinnati. It's a good summer, and it's an even better time to have my good friend Lance Reisland here on the podcast for the first time in over a month. As We're going to talk about the most underrated headlines for the Bengals as they wrap up their mandatory minicamp going into the offseason. Welcome to another edition of the Strict Strikes Podcast. Muhammad Ahmad here with you. Mike and Isaac and Andrew Gillis started their weekend early because I'm not as cool as they are. But Lance and I are going to hold it down for tonight. Appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, first of all, Lance, if I remember correctly, so we're taping this on a Friday. Uh, yesterday, Thursday, June 8th, that was your last day of school, right? Absolutely, yeah. Finished, finished up for the year. Thank goodness. It was, uh, you know, the kids are always looking forward to getting out. It was uh, a good end of the year and uh, looking forward to uh, kind of getting going here with football. Yeah, I know uh, once we get through mandatory minicamp next week in Cincinnati, and I forget where the Cleveland Browns are on their schedule, but I'm sure they'll be shutting it down soon. And then nice month off for everybody. And then training camp, just like that, it's going to start. And then the preseason will be before you know it. So uh, no time to waste, not at all. So I'm with you. And uh, hopefully maybe – uh, you come down to Cincinnati this summer and you meet me, Mike, and Andrew, and uh, we'd love to meet you as well. But sticking over on the Bengals side of things, you know, I think the last time you and I talked, we we talked about the rookies the Bengals drafted. Uh, you did a really, really excellent breakdown of, you know, their film and what they bring to the table and maybe what they don't bring to the table. So we, we talk about the things that people usually see, but I want to talk about some of the things that maybe we're not seeing or maybe that we're not seeing right away. As I'm thinking about, you know, the 2023 season, we know Joe Burrow is going to be Joe Burrow. That wide receiver unit's not going anywhere. Uh, we know that offensive line's going to be pretty good. We talked a lot about Orlando Brown many times on this podcast. But I just wonder, though, and I talked with Joe Goodberry from uh, Sports Illustrated last week, or at least he contributes to Sports Illustrated. And, you know, I talked about this with Mike and Andrew, but I just wonder – you know, with how different the secondary is with Jordan Battle, with Dax Hill, with, um, you know, these young guys stepping up, Cam Taylor, Brick going into year two. I just wonder, like, do you think, you know, this Bengals secondary on defense, 
might not actually be as bad as people are making it out to be. Because here's the thing, you know, Chidobia Wuzier might kill in top 25 corners on Pro Football Focus. I uh, know Bengals safety's made the list, obviously, because they're still getting fine-tuned there. But Jesse Bates was a, a top 10 pick. I think he was number nine on PFF's list. And all of those are subjective. But do you really think that the safety position might not actually be completely doubtful? I think this, I think their whole secondary is pretty underrated. And what's going to make that secondary very good? Because I think this, the what's very underrated for them is their defensive line. You know, I think their defensive line, Hubbard and Hendricks, I think if they can create pressure, pressure always helps the secondary. Now, there's another thing that helps the secondary uh, that the Bengals have compared to a lot of teams is that, that they're often going to be in front. And when you're playing from in front, um, you get a lot, you get a different look from the, the offense. So you're not going to get as much run, run or pass option. You're going to get mostly pass. So you're able to stay back a little bit. You're able to recognize routes. You're able to recognize route combinations based on hash down and distance, best players, et cetera. So, uh, what the, what the secondary has going from is I think the, I, I think with the addition of Murphy and then those ends they have and the guys they have inside, I think the Bengals are really going to help their secondary because they're going to create good pressure. And I think they're going to be, I think they're going to be up. I think that offense, that offense right now on paper and things they've added to it uh, with protection and a couple other uh, guys in the slot, they're going to be very difficult to stop. So part of that secondary being successful is just being up and keeping everything in front. They don't have to be lights out. Joe Burrow needs to be lights out for the Cincinnati Bengals. Everybody else has got to do their part. And that's the same with that secondary. And and I agree with you. I think those safeties are, are, are solid. Uh, I like their corners. So I just think I, I think all of that combined, though, what makes a good secondary is pass rush and being up. And, and I think the Bengals have both of those in their favor. So kind of zooming in on the safety side of things, like this is an interesting point that I've thought a lot about after I talked with Joe Goodberry last week. And I want your thoughts on this. So what he was saying is the, the good thing about the Bengals having Nick Scott and having Jordan Battle is that it allows Dax Hill to play more free, to play more loose, like to maybe even do more than what Jesse Bates did when he had Von Bell by his side. Because, you know, you think about it, whether it's bringing in Jordan Battle on third down to cover tight ends or, you know, some sort of scheme on third downs like they did with Trey Flowers last year when they had him before he left in free agency. Like by doing that and maybe playing Nick Scott upper in the box like Von Bell did, but even in a more versatile way, like, he looked at it as the same way that the Steelers had Ryan Clark next to Troy Polamalu or the Ravens had Bernard Pollard next to Ed Reed. And this is not to say that Dax Hill will be a Hall of Famer. Who knows? But for Dax Hill to be Dax Hill, he needs a good supporting, you know, supporting cast, uh, at least as far as like his fellow safeties go. What does his supporting cast have to give him if he wants to live up to that first round potential? Well, I think that, you know, the what the Bengals got to decide is that are they going to be more of a two-high-hat safety team or are they going to be more of a one-high-hat safety team? Um, watching their film, they do a little bit of both. They've had success. Again, they're going to be up, so they're probably going to keep things in front more than they than other teams, very similar to what, you know, the Chiefs do, et cetera. Uh, so if they play a one-high-hat safety, very similar to what the Browns are, are, are going through right now with, uh, you know, that, that safety who's down in the box, he becomes a linebacker. He has C and D gap. Uh, run fit responsibilities. He has to cover tight ends. He has to cover slots. Uh, he has run fits um, uh, but on outside zone, inside zone, et cetera. And then that free safety who's behind, if he's technically a free safety, then he's a guy who has to get hash to hash 
play numbers to number. And he's got to be really good in terms of what he understands, what routes are they running, uh, what are their tendencies uh, from hash, from numbers, from players, et cetera, all that stuff those guys do in film study. So if the if the Bengals are in a two-deep safety, um, two-deep safety look, I think they'll be. I think that's a great look for them, in my opinion, because, again, it keeps things in front and it protects them a little bit. Now, if they feel pretty good about what they're doing uh, and they go to more man looks and they're going to they're gonna go more of a five-under look, one deeper, uh, they're going to play some man in the slot, et cetera, um, then you're going to find out if those guys can play or not because they're going to be matched up some really good guys in, in the AFC, in the AFC North especially, who are going to be really good at that. You know, the AFC North to me is really good at that two, three, four receiver spot. And so everybody's got a number one, but the AFC North's got tons of guys who are really good down the depth chart. So uh, I think if they stay in zone a little bit more, I think if they stay back a little bit more, I think they'll be fine regardless of who it is because they're a very well-coached group. I remember breaking them down in terms of watching it for the Browns. They're a very well-coached group. I think they can get pressure with four, play soft a, a, a little bit, and just kind of keep everything in front and make teams go. You know, when, it, when a team has to go 10 plays or more, it's really hard to score. I don't care what level it is. Yeah. So um, I think they can support each other. But, again, it all comes back to what football is so great. It's a team sport. They got to rush the passer. They got to get into third down situations. They got to stop the run on first down. You know, if it's second three, you're not good in the secondary because you can do anything you want as an offense coordinator. So all the things that, you know, have to make a defense good, it's the same for everybody. They got to stop the run on first down. They got to be able to keep things in front. They got to be able to tackle. They got to know what the game situation is. So all that's film study and practice, but I think those safeties along with the corners uh, will be as good as that defensive front uh, is at getting pressure. So whether we're looking at the defensive front getting pressure, the secondary playing, as you mentioned, it should play, or maybe even the linebacking core, which we didn't talk about. Is there anybody on the Bengals defense that we're just not talking about right now that at least maybe in the mainstream, you know, Twitter sphere, or just when you hear analysts talk on networks or even just in general, like from what you've seen, is there someone that people just aren't talking about? And why is that? Well, I like Pratt and Wilson inside. I think those guys run very well. Um, I don't think Pratt gets enough credit. You know, I, when I was breaking down the thing, he Browns last year, he, he's in a lot of different plays. He's very good against the run. He drops very well on his pass drops, uh, whether he's in man or zone. He seems to cover pretty well uh, backside of the backfield. So I think the linebacking core as a whole, if you ask me what the uh, what the I don't think it's a player. I think it's the scheme. I think it's the, the defense coordinator. They play really good team defense. Now, I don't know if they're able to – I don't know if they have a guy – I think I still think those DNs are outstanding athletes. I still think the secondary is very good. I'm not sure if they have an elite guy at any position, but they got really good guys at all positions. And that's, that's, that's something to be said about that team defense. So if you ask me what's underrated about the Bengals when you watch them is that they're underrated in how well coached they are. They line up right. They're in the spots they're supposed to be. They tackle well in space. Uh, they rally to the football. Um, you know, they only had 30 sacks last year, so they got to increase that sack total. Um, but I think they play really good team defense, and I think the defense, um, everybody's going to have a strength. The strength of the Bengals is Joe Burrow. So they have to play. If they got a lead, they got to keep the lead, and that's by tackling, keeping things in front. Uh, Bengals score a touchdown. They can immediately give up a touchdown, so that means you may play soft, make a team drive. So – uh, if you ask me, it's not really a player. It's the entire defense doesn't get enough credit for uh, being pretty solid and, and really, really well coached. Yeah, I mean, Luan Arumo, it's very rare for him to do what he's doing. I mean, the only other defensive coordinator, I've mentioned this on the podcast, to coach as long as he's been coaching with the same team as Steve Spagnuolo over in Kansas City. Um, and, I mean, with the Bengals, of course, you have to remember they have their Brian, – Brian Callahan as their offensive coordinator – 
for the fifth season as well. And the only other offensive coordinator who was with a team that long was, emphasis on was, Eric Bieniemy. Nice with a new team in uh, Washington. I know Leslie Frazier, Sean McDermott were together for a while, but, you know, Frazier stepped down. So you can't understate or underscore the value of a good defensive coordinator because you mentioned team football there, or team defense. Like there's defense and there's team defense. And the difference has to be really understood. And I think you did a good job of uh, explaining that. Well, speaking of one of the underrated guys, Jermaine Pratt, we're going to hear from him on this podcast I caught up with him one-on-one in the locker room, uh, and we talked about a lot of fun things related to football, and yes, a lot of fun things not related to football. Fans probably know what I'm getting at. We're going to have that fun conversation when we return right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Thank you for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Joining me is Bengals linebacker Jermaine Pratt. Jermaine, appreciate you joining us on the podcast. I guess really to start, generally, how has the offseason been? What's been working for you and what do you like so far? I mean, offseason is good, you know, get back, reset, restart, build a new foundation. You got new guys and new faces. And trying to build that team, Kamari, just trying to get better as an individual. You got to look at yourself, what you did last year, and try to improve on what you did good and what you did bad. You know, just try to get better each, each and every day. Obviously, this is a new chapter for you. You re-signed an extension this offseason. You're here for three more years in Cincinnati. Uh, but obviously, like you said, the job is not done. You want to get that Super Bowl. It's a big reason why you stayed in Cincinnati. The motivation's always there, but is the motivation a little bit different now that you're going into kind of your second contract in a new era with the same team? I mean, it's, it's like... You resetting, you know, just resetting, looking back what you did, good and bad, you know. Getting a con- new contract is good and all, but you got to showcase why they gave it to you. You know, you just got to get better each and every year, look at yourself. And you got still got, like, individual goals that you want to succeed, you know. you If you want to be a pro bowler, you want to be all pro or something, you got to take your game to the next level. So it's just me trying to evaluate myself and get better each and every year. So you talk about like the individualized growth, you know, individual goals. I know you talked a little bit about that when you initially re-signed and we had that press conference. But, you know, as you've kind of reflected since then, do you have any more specific goals, whether it be all pro, pro bowl, anything specific you want to accomplish in 2023? I mean, I just I just keep it to myself. You know, just try to focus on what I need to do at growing individual and then see what my cards play out. I know what I want to be at, at the end of my journey playing football. I want to be a guy that they remember of impact on the team. Obviously, being with Logan, I guess this would be year four for you guys now. It's pretty rare to have a linebacker duo that's as good as you guys are being together for that long. How much do you take advantage of that going into year four? What's different with you guys going into year four compared to your first three years together? I mean, you got to look back at what you did the first couple years, how we improved overall. You know, I started off slow. He started off strong. So he, he he's building his game. I'm building my game. I'm, a, I'm steady rising. He's steady rising. So we just got to keep on pushing each other and get better each and every, every day. So I guess the challenge is obviously not like just individually getting better, but kind of staying on the same level where like he's getting good and you're getting good at the same time. It's kind of like a balance there. Yeah, you got to have each player has to get better. You know, as a duo, you can't just have one guy just, just doing it all. You know, you got to have a guy that c- completes you. 
and like help you grow as an individual, help you, your game grow. So you just got to keep on getting better and we just be a stronger duo. You know, what have you seen from obviously this guy next to you, Marcus? How, how big of a leap is he going to make in 2023? And what have you also seen from Akeem being by your side as well? I mean, just look back at that, that linebacker room. It's, it's full of depth. All these people can, like, go somewhere and really start in the NFL. That's what, that's what helps you as an individual, help you get better each and day. Because, you know, that person can come in and, like, take your job and, and showcase he, he's really like that player that he is. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge advantage because you get to go against another person that can start another 31 teams if, if, it was, if he had the opportunity to. So I have to ask you this because I actually had BJ on the podcast last week. We talked about his new look, his new haircut. Yeah. Obviously, he placed the bet. He did what you told him to do. He got the hair off. I mean, I guess first off, it, I can imagine it's a pretty good look on him, right? It looks good. I mean, yeah, his, his head is big already, but, you know, <laughs> he posed to cut it all the way off. He didn't cut it all the way. He's got like a level oh. one. He didn't get all the way the ball head, the best cut you can ever have in the world so he didn't i guess he like 90 percent met the bet i guess yeah, he did something <laughs> i i didn't get to cut it so i feel it wasn't really a bit well i guess the more serious part to that is obviously like you know i know you guys are friends you go way back to your college and did you know each other in high school no so college days then okay being from north carolina as well i mean you guys have your own individual friendship but i think kind of that bet and the fun behind it it really re- reflects a certain energy and a culture that as much people say you know culture is cliche there's a unique energy and culture this locker room in june when some people might say it looks like they're just ready for the regular season to start tomorrow why, why is that energy and that juice you guys bring now in the summer so unique because you got guys that came from your college or like different pl- parts of the world same city as same state, you know, where you're from, you know, that, that makes a team more tighter. You know, that's an advantage that you have because you know a guy that you've been with five or six plus years or something, then he coming to lead. Oh, that's the, that's the guy I've been hanging around in college. He pushed you and you push him. It's guys that can just help you reach another level. You can talk to him a different, certain way than the guy that you just met a couple months ago. You can't get, really get on him because you really don't know him. But you, yeah. if you know him a couple years, you can you can push a button that you that you know that he, he'll get an extra spark. I guess my last question, Jermaine, for this really awesome chat we've been having is, you know, and I like to ask guys this every time I talk to them, when the offseason hits, when you're outside of the stadium, what do you like to do for fun? How do you spend your time in Cincinnati? Oh, well, basically, I'm like, I got kids and, uh, and a girl, so I'm basically with my family most of the time. But when I'm, we go to the movies, go to the park or go to like bouncy house do like fun things for the kids but i do a little bit of ping pong so i'll be staying over here a little bit late beating up <laughs> beating up on markets and the team you know yeah, okay that was good <laughs> well yeah. see that that just proves my point about the camaraderie you just saw right there so jermaine never enough time with you but as always i appreciate your time no doubt appreciate you we'll be right back on the strictly stripes podcast does monday at the office feel like a storm not with microsoft copilot that feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. All right, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. With me is Lance Reisland as we continue talking about uh, the biggest points of emphasis that people aren't talking about with the Bengals right now uh, as they start to get into their offseason. Before we get back into that great discussion, I want to remind you guys to 
Tell us why you, and I mean you, are a Bengals fan. Go to strictlystripes.com. Click on the link that says why I'm a Bengals fan. Uh, there is a Google Docs form that you fill out that tells you or that you, you tell us when, where, why, and how you became a Bengals fan. Or if it's easier, email us at stripes at cleveland.com. Again, that's stripes at cleveland.com. And we're going to start you know, listing out these responses in the next coming days and weeks as we get to the offseason. Uh, so make sure you do that. And make sure you sign up for our Cincinnati uh, Bengals Strictly Stripes newsletter. Go to cleveland.com slash newsletters. It's free in your inbox every morning, and it's easy to sign up. So, Lance, uh, we talked a lot about the most underrated uh, aspects of the Bengals, at least defense. We're talking the defensive side of things. Before I get to the flip side of that, is there anybody on the offense? I mean, obviously, it's not Joe Burrow. We know Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow, but anyone not named Joe Burrow or T. Higgins or Jamar Chase or Tyler Boyd that we're just not talking about on the Bengals offense right now? Well, for me, I, th- I think Chase Brown was a great draft pick. So I think that I, for what the, the Bengals do, he is a perfect fit. He pass blocks well. He's good out of the backfield. Uh, I, you know, I had done a little work on him in terms of what he brings to the Bengals. And when they say, like, what's a good fit, like, he's a great fit. He's a great fit schematically for what they do. Like you said, he's a great check down guy. Uh, Burrow does a great job of finding that check down on those swing routes. He's uh, very good at pass protection. Uh, he will stick his nose in there or face in the fan. I used to call it, you know, you got to be able to stick your face in there when needed. Um, he's very, uh, very much a downhill runner. And what I always say is I like a, a guy who's not maybe electric, then the, then he can't lose yards. It doesn't always mean he's going to hit a home run, but it's got to be second six. And that's what I think he's going to give the Bengals offense. Uh, and then I think that third receiver, like you said, the Boyds, the Charlie Jones, um, those guys, those guys are going to be really good. Uh, even cause those guys outside Higgins and chase, they're even getting better. So those guys in the slot, um, I think Charlie Jones can have a really, really big year when they go two by two and they get in that 10 personnel, uh, because he is going to get the least amount of, uh, of look or leverage from a defense. And I think he's pretty good, uh, at finding holes and being very quarterback friendly, uh, for Joe Burrow. So those would be my two guys. I think the offensive line's better. Uh, I think Brown's a huge addition, but if you ask me, I think Chase Brown is a huge pickup for them uh, for what he brings schematically to their offense. Does Chase Brown beat out Travion Williams in training camp? Uh, you know, again, I don't know. I think because of the, what they do offensively, yes, I I, I want to see uh, pass protection. I know when you watch Chase Brown on film, he's real tough. So he's fights, he's a scrapper. Um, and to play with Joe Burrow, it's protection first. And it's everything else is second. You got to be able to pass protect and those backs at that level, they got to be able to know their pass protections. Or do they have four strong? Do they have three weak? Uh, who are they picking up? Who's their check down? Where do they go on their check down? You know, all that kind of stuff ties into it. So uh, if he could get a handle on the offense and, 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 and the pass protections, those pass protections that the NFL love are so complex on who they pick up. But yeah, if you ask me, I think he is an outstanding. I loved him at Illinois. So I think, um, I think he would have every chance to be in the hunt there, especially if he can pass protect. Yeah, that that's a big thing. I mean, you know, they got that with Samaj Pira when you talk about pass protection, so they're definitely going to need that from him, um, especially because, you know, I'm not saying it's not enough to have Orlando Brown, but, like, it is so hard to keep that guy protected with how many sacks he's taken. So you do mm-hmm. not take any half measures whatsoever, uh, even with your halfback. A little bit of a pun there. But mm-hmm. I guess the flip side of that, is who are we maybe talking too much about? And this could be on either side of the ball. Like, is there a guy on defense, on offense, that maybe we're talking way too much right now about? 
Is he kind of overrated? I know it's kind of a it's a trickier question, but I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Like, what do you think? Well, I don't think anybody's overrated. I think you can get you could um, you can put too much pressure on a guy. So you know, okay. so when I think about like Jamar Chase, or I think about you know he's expected to do huge things. Well, where they put Chase, he's predominant. Now last year he did a lot more, but predominantly early on he was just outside. He ran three routes. He ran a hitch. He ran a slant, and he ran a back shoulder fade or a fade. And that's what yeah. he did, and he did it very well. And I think that's great because I, I never believe in overcoaching elite guys, guys who are generational type stuff. But the more and more film you get on him, the more and more you're able to take him away. And regardless of how good he is, um, you know, they can, teams can well, at least attempt to take him away. So those other guys have to be able to step up. That's why I think the second, you know, Higgins down to Jones, down to um, Yusavis, the kid from whoever they're going to get in there, they have to. Um, Yoshivash, that's to, actually how you say his name, Yoshivash. I, Yoshivash. Okay, so I think yeah, it's so it's tricky. Yeah. So I'm glad you glad you told me that because I had no idea. I I just kind of wanted. So, but I think I don't think anybody's overrated. I just think you have to make sure when you have an offense, when you have elite guys, which they do, um, there's not too much pressure on them to always have to do it alone. You know, Joe Burrow, like you said, needs protection. Uh, Jamar Chase, if they're going to double him on the inside, then the inside guy's got to make sure they're good. T. Higgins has got to be good at the deep ball. They got to make sure they're 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 doing what they do well. Um, and still understand it's a team game and it's not a one man show. That's what, that's what makes football to me, the best game in the world, because you all have to do it together. And so, no, I don't think anybody's overrated. They've proven that over the last couple of years that they're not overrated. Um, Jamar Chase has proven that he can get open. Higgins has uh, proven that he's long and Boyd's good. And then they, they, they're not sure what Boyd's, you know, you kind of think is Boyd going to be jumping into free agency that, so they go out and get a Charlie Jones kind of guy who's kind of fits that same mold. So they're staying with their identity. They're staying what they're doing, but no, I don't think anybody's overrated. Uh, not for how much they've produced. No, I think that's a good point. I, and I like what you said. It's not about being overrated, but it's more about being, you know, overcoached, like you said. Or, or I guess over, not coach, but like having a lot of pressure and expectations, whether it be from coaches or outside voices. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's that's a very good point. It definitely makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm trying is to find anybody a way down to there? Put... You got you think he's over? Like, do you guys like? Is there a person that I talk about who doesn't? You know, I always think you're in the mix every single day. Is there somebody that you think uh, is either underrated, or overrated? Huh. That is a good question. It's usually the other way around, but now, now you got me thinking in the noggin. You know, so I've talked with Mike and Andrew about this a lot. We've even had podcasts like on these subjects alone. So, you you know, that's actually a very good question. It's an even fair question as well. I think overrated wise, there possibly might be some overrated uh, projections with Trey Hendrickson. Because I think if he really was, and this is not to say he's not good, but if he was as good as marketed, why did they draft Miles Murphy? You know, and why did the the, the juice in the pass rush struggle last year? I know Louis Roman likes to say, oh, they had the, some of the best pressure rates of getting to the quarterback, but there's a difference between getting to the quarterback and finishing. I don't know that. I mean, Trey Hendrickson is still one of the best in the league at doing that. Don't get me wrong. He's a top 10 edge rusher. For sure. He's not in the Miles Garrett Bosa tier, but he's in the tier after that. I think even PFF had him in that second tier, I'm pretty sure. I know Hubbard's a little bit lower down because he's more of a uh, more of a run stopper. Uh, and he's actually getting better as a pass rusher, but he's not in that upper tier. But yeah, I think Hendrickson is a little bit overrated. I could see a situation where Miles Murphy gets like four or five sacks. Hendrickson doesn't hit double digits. 
and they just cut him at that point and say, okay, we saved uh, over $10 million in cap space. I forget what the numbers are, but it's, you know, it's a lot of money. Like they'd save a lot of money cutting him and, you know, before 2024 on his last year of his deal. So I think he's a little bit possibly overrated. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has a breakout year this year, but you got him. I think with Mixon, he's not overrated. I think everyone knows where Mixon is at in his career, but I do think it's overrated to think that he can he could improve on his numbers last year, I think. I think especially now that the offensive line has continuity. They got Orlando Brown, and maybe he watched a lot of film this offseason. Maybe he's still in good shape. I don't know, but you look at the trend with running backs, just you know whether they're declining or not, like, a lot of teams just don't really value like running backs these days. Like, look at Dalvin Cook. I mean, there's a reason why a guy as good as him is on the free agent market, which still kind of blows my mind for Minnesota. But it's, I guess what I'm saying is to get to the point, it's overrated to think that he's going to have like a Pro Bowl season. I think most people don't think that. I would assume, I know this is a very subjective generalization, but I think if anybody does think that, it's pretty overrated because it's very hard to get back to that point once you get there. But beyond that, I think. The expectations for everyone else is pretty reasonable. Um, I know Chidobi Aluzi is kind of a tricky area because he's very talented and he's a top 20 corner in the league. But I just wonder, like, how much different is he going to be when he get, comes back from his ACL tear that he had against the Browns last year? I don't know. Uh, well, we're not going to know until we see it, obviously. But I, does that kind of make sense? Does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's it's exactly you – know, and I agree. I think uh... – in terms, of, in terms of all those guys, I, I agree. And, I, you know, my only thing with Murphy is that I, these guys who the, – and I think it's a great pick – is that do they keep Hendrickson because they like him? And then Murphy's big enough where he can play down to that three technique in passing situations too. So uh, I'd be interested to see what happens with those guys inside. So and I think Mixon's good. But, again, I think Mixon is um, – uh, depending on what he makes financially, you know, they've, they've addressed that with what they need offensively with Brown in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that makes the most sense to me. Uh, and funny enough, Mixon and Brown played together in college, so maybe that helps both of them out. I don't know. Could be a hidden advantage there, but that was like, what, six years ago? So maybe uh-huh. not. But um, speaking of Dalvin Cook, actually, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, I don't think this is going to happen. It's probably a 0.15% chance that this even happens. But I mean, he's on the market. He's there. Do the Bengals, should the Bengals think about anything, do anything at all? What do you think? Well, I'm, I'm, you know, I will always say this, and this is an Ohio State thing. And this is my my dad who coached for 45 years. You win with people. Wow. So it's what. So so when people say uh, Dalvin Cook doesn't fit, you good players fit. So yeah. I don't care what anybody says. Good players fit. Do I think the Bengals need him? I don't think they do. So in right. terms of like, does he fit financially and all that kind of stuff? So no, I don't think the yeah. Bengals for what they do offensively. Um, I don't think he's a necessity, or I don't think he'll. Um, he would, I mean, he's, he'll add what he adds. He's a great back and he'll give you that. But for what the Bengals do, um, I don't think he's a necessity at all. Um, but don't get me wrong. If he's, if he fits financially and he wanted to be a Bengal, uh, they would be silly not to you. And I don't care what anybody says you win with people. You, no matter how good your coaching is, people win games, not coaches and coaches can lose games. But players win the games. And I, you know, when I was when I was coaching, I always just kind of felt like you got to make sure your best players touch it. You got to make sure your best players in the right position. And, you know, my coaches always did a great job with doing that. And I think it's the same at every level. So to say they wouldn't go out and probably, uh, uh, you know, look into it, I'm sure they would. They would they would be wrong not to. I think every team would uh, because he's a great talent and great talent. You know, you find a place for great talent. (laughs) That's just the bottom line. You find a great, you know, it's like the 
like the um the Bengals have great receivers. If a, a receiver came on the market that was a top three receiver, they should go out and look at him because he's you because great players are great players. So, um, but no, I don't think he's I don't think he's a necessary. I don't think they're they're lacking at tailback, especially what they do schematically. Uh, I think they're fine there. I think um, obviously Mixon, and then I think Brown is going to be. I like I said, I'm really high on him. So, but no, I don't think he's necessary. So you're saying like. Obviously, financially, cap space-wise, I mean, yeah, I'm with you on that too, by the way. I think most sane mm-hmm. people would be. Um, but you're saying like schematically, in a perfect world, like if the money wasn't a problem and if they're willing to cut Joe Mixon loose, like you could actually see something like that working in the Bengals' offense. For sure, because it's, 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 it's the same with any player at any, at any position. It's, yeah. um, you, you, it's you, you're upgrading a position, so whatever that may be, it may be. Delvin Cook's a top, you know, top ten back. So to say he wouldn't help you, that's silly. Of course he'd help you. He's yeah. really, really good. Uh, if, you know, he's you. Like I said, it's talent is talent. So uh, they would figure it out. They would, um, you know, I don't think they'd run the ball more, but I think the runs they do would be more productive, and that's what it would come down to. And, it, and there would be so much pressure. Uh, but they like the Bengals like you know schematically they like doing what they do you can tell schematically they like doing what they do. They're a spread team. Uh, they've gone to a little bit more gap run game. Um, but great players are great players. So I don't think he's necessary, but he would be helpful. He'd be helpful for anybody. Yeah. Well, I guess kind of to wrap up, and th- this is just following up on uh, the conversation Andrew, Mike, and I had last night. For those who missed it, uh, tune in to wherever you get your podcast to listen to it. We did a lot of sort of uh, Jalen Hurts versus Joe Burrow talk and conversations. You and I have talked about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, and I think we've mentioned Jalen Hurts briefly, but – I guess, well, first off, before I get to the question I was going to ask, I guess the question before the question is, do you believe Joe Burrow is better than Jalen Hurts? Well, I think you're, I think it's a two different, I think it's two different schemes and I think it's two different players. So if you're talking about a drop back quarterback in a traditional offense, no, I don't think Hurts is better than Burrow. But for what they do in Philadelphia, um, I don't, that's not going to be really good for Joe Burrow. Um, they run a lot of run pass option. They run a lot of run run option. They run a lot of read game. Um, he uses his feet. They have traditional runs, almost like a Josh Allen, where they're they're using that plus one. That plus one meaning the quarterback, the tailback is now another blocker, and the quarterback is now becomes a tailback. So you could do that with Jalen Hurts. So I think um, to say if you're comparing them, you'd have to say what are we comparing? Are we comparing how they drop back? Are you comparing? Uh, bottom line is they both win. So that would be my that would be my argument is that they're both they they both have been proved to be winners. So I would I, I think that would be my best uh, like my best argument is that they're both winners, but they're different. They're different. There's different skill sets. They're both really really good at what they do, and they're super competitive. Um, they they're great fits for what they do offensively. They carry their teams. Um, but to say who's better. Uh, you know, put. Just, I guess the thing is, how it hurts doing in the Bengals offense, not as well. Um, and Joe Burrow wouldn't be as successful in the Eagles offense, but of course they wouldn't run those offenses uh, if they had the other guy. They they have kind of tailored uh, their skill sets to their offensive scheme, which is what good coaches do. And it's not about what you know; it's what your players know. And those guys are in perfect schemes for what they do best. And so I, I like both of them. I. Um, if you had to say, Joe, if I had hurts, I'm, I'm doing more run stuff and I'm still allowing him to drop back because he's proven he can throw. And then with, uh, Burrow, I'm going to put more pressure on him with pass protection or whatever it is, but, uh, they're both outstanding and you just tailor, you know, you have great players, you tailor what they do best and try to hide their deficiencies. And those two don't have many. So I guess 
my last question and to, to the question of that question, I guess I was going to ask is, you know, I think Burrow and Allen are kind of at their own tier and then Hertz is in a separate tier near next to that. Who makes a bigger leap from one tier to the next? Does Burrow make a bigger leap to the Mahomes tier or at least close to Mahomes? Or does Hertz make a bigger leap into the tier I mentioned where Burrow is with like Josh Allen right now? Well, that's a great question. Um, Probably do this podcast. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Burrow can take the next step. And the reason why is because Burrow is a guy who kind of single-handedly has to do it, right? So he has those receivers. He's got uh, a running game that they, they're, they're kind of in, but it's kind of token run. They're trying to get the second medium kind of stuff, but they're a pass first team. I think that's fair to say where the Eagles are a run first team. So I, I, now to say who's going to get to the Super Bowl, you know, the Eagles are going to be very good because the Eagles are so good on each side of the ball up front. And that's what, if in mind, that's what the Eagles are so good. They're so good at offensive defensive lines. But if I'm talking quarterback, I think Burrow um, can take that jump because he has to hold, he has to hold more of that responsibility of carrying an offense where Hertz is a He's a great piece. He's fantastic, but he's a piece of what they do um, with those run pass options and, and those pass, but he, I mean, he can make all the throws, um, but if you had to, just by sheer numbers and, and, and responsibility for an offense, I would go with Burrow. Um, but like you said, a couple other things, it wouldn't surprise me if Hurts, uh, both of those guys make jumps, to be honest with you, because they're only going to get better and they've improved their uh, their uh, rosters. So that would go if you maybe if you made me do I'd pick Burrow. I think Burrow could be I think Burrow could be in that top, very uh, select tier. I think that, you know, I agree with you. They're both going to make a big leap. Um, like they're both going to get better. Who gets better than who? I That's a great question. And I actually am going to be actively watching that next year. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things, you know, the the bells and whistles in my brain will be watching as like a football reporter, uh, especially since it's my first full, full season. But that's definitely going to be one of them because like, well, think you know, about this. Talking... go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I just think about like, I guess here's a great question. Like did, like I kind of expected this out of Burrow, right? Coming out of college, he had that great senior year. Uh, what Hertz has done has been just like fantastic, right? So yeah. he's he's a guy who's kind of. So I always thought he had great feet, but he's really good in the pocket. So um, you know, Burrow is kind of there and just kind of wait to that take that a st- next step. Where I think Hertz is kind of taking a bunch of steps to almost get there, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how much more he can go. But I didn't think. Jalen Hurts would be – I thought he'd be solid, but I didn't think he'd be this good. I mean, you watch him on film. He makes all the throws. He's he's super talented. He's got those feet. And, I, and like, he's pretty he's pretty amazing to me on the, the progression and, and the steps he's taken in such a short time. You know, Andrew said this, and I agree with him. Like, just what he's been through, you know, being at Alabama, being at Oklahoma – and then, you know, being a second-round pick and being with, you know, two different head coaches in one year, like with Peterson and then Nick Sirianni, and to go from being okay and being with a 9-8 and eight team to, like, going 14-1 as a starter, unbelievable. Or I guess 13-1, 14-1, it's just unbelievable, mm-hmm. man. And so – and the Eagles are a very good team. Like, a lot of that goes to just, you know, Howie Roseman and, the man, just the way that front office is, the way they draft the way they sign free agents, like the way they rebuild, unbelievable. I really still think it's a travesty, both on themselves and other factors that they didn't win the Super Bowl last year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, especially against a really good team like Kansas City, 
who, you know, had to get past another good team like the Bengals. I mean, football's in a good place right now with Jalen Hurts and, you know, yeah. Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes. I think that's a good way to leave it at that. We're, the game is in a very, very good place with these guys right now. Yeah, you talk about those generation of talents that just kind of, you know, the Tom Brady generation that just kind of went away. Now you're right. You got the the Hurts, Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, all these guys that uh, – Burrow, all these guys, the next kind of guys who are going to be around a long time. They're gonna be. They're gonna be really, really good. Yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch. But hopefully, I'm covering them as long as I can. You know, because I know mm-hmm. not this coming season, but the season after. I believe Philadelphia comes to Cincinnati, and who knows? Maybe, maybe before that regular season matchup even happens, maybe they meet in the Super Bowl in Vegas next year. Who knows? It almost happened. It almost happened a few months ago. If you know, Joe Burrow finishes that drive against the Chiefs. It would have been Burrow versus Hurts. That would have been the Super Bowl. So we were that close to getting it in the desert of Arizona. Maybe we'll get it in the desert of, you know, Las Vegas, Nevada. Who knows? Well, you got those two elite quarterbacks. And if you talk about, like, Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and Hurts, those top-tier guys, if you're in the top tier, and I always say there's a top tier, like, talent-wise, but those guys are, in my opinion, they're all guys who could win a Super Bowl, right? So – those guys give you a chance. So it, that's not surprising at all. All those guys, those teams that have those elite guys or teams that people aren't talking about, but maybe think they have an elite guy, they get a chance. So um, it would not surprise me at all if those two met uh, uh, in the Super Bowl next year. I look forward to it. And I look forward to many more discussions with you, Lance. Always a great time. And uh, I don't know when we'll have you on again, but it'll be sooner than most people think, sooner than you might think. And, uh, yeah, I mean, with just, you know, the off season coming up, we're going to have a lot of things to talk about, or rather we're going to have a lot of things that we have to figure out what to talk about. So I look forward to that. But Lance, I appreciate you joining us on this podcast and I appreciate everyone tuning in on this Friday night to listen to us. Thanks for having Always a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me, buddy. Likewise. Once again, for myself and our special guest, Lance Reisland, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a great weekend. Soak up some sunshine. See you back. Here.